Well, good morning again. It is good to see everyone. If one of my eyes seems like it's closed, because my sinus is clogged on this side, so I'm not winking at you. I just want you to know. Just stop it. <laughs> stop it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's good. Hey, man, I'm so glad you guys are here um, this morning. Um, I hope, I really, really hope you've been enjoying, like, if you've been a part of one of the small groups and been able to go. <laughs> Um, and, and this series, um, it, it's meant a lot to me just um, being reminded um, that God has these answers for us. Um, what on earth am I here for? And if you are here last week, um, we talked about like that first purpose, that first calling um, last week about the idea that, you know, you and I are, are, are called to be loved. Y- you and I are called um, to worship God and, and just it's not what we do for him. Um, it's none of that. It's just it's who we are, and it's that we are just loved by by God, and because of that, we respond through worship. And so this morning, we're going to continue on on that theme with the next calling, and, and the idea that you and I are called to belong. We are called to be a part of something. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter two. <coughs> if you don't have them, we have them available. I just remind you, we have um, Wi-Fi right here. Um, it says GBC Guest. Just type in Find More, all lower caps, and you can follow along there. Or you can grab one of our Bibles. Um, we're getting low, but I ordered a new case, and so we got more Bibles coming in. So take those. Um, those are gifts to you. Um, but please, um, a- as always, um, and these are the only words that matter. Like I said, I'm on cold medicine, so there's no idea what I'm going to say, but these words don't change. The- these words stay the same, and they're true today as much as they were true 2,000 years ago, and they continue to change lives. And so out of respect for that and out of acknowledgement of that authority, would you stand with me as we read in, in Ephesians chapter 2, <coughs> starting at verse 19, Paul writes this, he says, So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostle and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. Will you pray with me? God, I just thank you for this morning. (coughs) God, I thank you that it's not about how I feel or the words I use or if I make jokes or any of that stuff, God, but it is your word, it is your presence that changes everything. And so, God, I, I am so grateful this morning that you are here. God, and that you have things that you want to tell us. You have things that we need to hear, God. There are things that we need to do, things we need to let go of or change or, or whatever, God. I just pray whatever it is, Father, you would just meet us this morning. Meet us right where we're at and move us from there. Now that you would give us ears to hear, give us hearts to respond, and the courage to live this out. God, that these words would be your words, not mine. And that you would be the only one that gets credit and the only one that gets glory this morning. So God, would you move? Would you spark a fire in our hearts this morning in this church? God, would you begin revival in this church and in all the churches? God, and most of all, would you just have your way? God, we love you, we praise you, and we give you all the glory. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated.
So you and I are called to belong. As I said, last week we talked about the very first purpose of life. It's just that you and I were called to be loved. We are called to be loved by God. We are called to have um, that relationship with him. And in that, it, it, is, it is what we do. I mean, it, 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 it's not what we do for him. It's that God looks at us and he just loves us completely and utterly and, and totally. And so we had to start there because from there, everything else built on. So when we understand that God loves us and that we accept that love, then the next thing is that we are now formed for his family. Isn't that cool? That we are part of this humongous family. No matter where you are at, no matter what your family is like, there's a family out there, God's family, that is perfect, that is beautiful, that is powerful. And we are formed to be a part of that, to be in relationship with them. Back up a little bit to Ephesians 1.5. What Paul says there, he predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Uh, we mentioned that last week that we were, we're made for God's pleasure. But I love that word adopted. See, if you're a parent this morning, you know that you didn't really get to choose <laughs> what your kids look like and all that stuff. They came out. Adoption is when you actually choose. Can you think, think about that for a moment? That if I go and adopt a child, then I'm actually choosing a specific child saying, I, I want this child to become my family, to take my name and, and to be a part and to get a new identity in my family. That's exactly what God does for us. He looks at us and he says, I want you to be part of my family. When I was very, very young, my father, my actual father left when I was about two years old. I didn't find out till I was 13. You want to know why? Because my dad that raised me, my daddy that raised me, adopted me he gave me his name he took me in and so that's my daddy uh, you know i had a father and we reconciled and all that it was really cool but i had a daddy because he chose he's like i choose to put my name upon you i, I choose and so this idea that we are called and formed to be part of his family you know what that family's called the church that's what it's called. The, the family is the church. Look in 1 Timothy 3, 14 and 15. He says this. He says, I write these things to you, hoping to come to you soon. But if I should be delayed, I've written so that you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. The church is God's family. The church is an important part of, of our faith and everything, and, and we are called to belong for it. In fact, that word in the New Testament is ecclesia. The Greek word is ecclesia. It means just the called out. It is a group of people that are called out to come together and be a part of something bigger. The word church is kirche in German. And it's a building. It's a place of meaning. And, and the thing is, is church is not an event I go to. And I think that's what we've made it in our culture. Church is something I go to. Church is not an event I go to. Church is a group I belong to. It's totally different. And in the New Testament, every time you read that God says, I want you part of my family, to be a part of the family of God, he is talking about the church, us, this morning. It, it's not an event. It, it's something else. And, and so there's benefits to belong. There, there's benefits to being part of this, of being, being in this group. And, and in the New Testament, there are about five metaphors used in the Bible for a church. 
and each one of those give us a picture of what it means and what's the benefits of being along. The very first one we just talked about is that we are part of a family. We are part of a family here. And, and that's really neat because in that, the benefit is that is we get our identity. That's where we make our identities in our families. That's where we start understanding who we are. And everything we we it comes through relationships that we start understanding who I am and really what my identity is. Look at verse 19. Back in Ephesians 2, it says, so then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. We're, we're no longer people outcasts. We're, we're no longer people that are kind of wondering on our own. We have an identity that we are God's family. We are his church. And you want to know the very best news about being God's family? Is there are no black sheep in God's family. Every one of us, we know that there's a black sheep. There's that uncle. There's that cousin. There's that person. <laughs> they're like, they're the black sheep of the family. We don't really talk about them. We just kind of avoid them at gatherings and stuff. It's not like that in God's family. There are no black sheep. Look at what it says in Hebrews 2.11. It says, for the one who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. I think so often we come to church and we feel like, man, I've blown it or I've done something and wow, God's just ashamed of me. No. You're not a black sheep. You're not a distant relative. You are part of a family here. We identify ourselves with our family. It used to be names were a big deal. In culture, like your name described you and what part of family and stuff and, and what family you came from. And, and there were identifying marks. And really, if you join any group and stuff, there's always some kind of identifying mark to be a part of that group, isn't there? Like I was in fraternities in, in, in college and stuff, and so we had like Sigma Phi Epsilon. That, that was our fraternity. And it was formed by 12 Baptist preachers. Went a long way from that when, when by the time I got there. So... <laughs> There was nothing Baptist or preachy about it at all <laughs> when, when I was in that fraternity. But we had signifying marks. So a lot of times if you join a gang, there are like tattoos and everything. There's a signifying mark in God's family. It's very simple. It's called baptism. It, it is the thing that says, it tells the world that I am part of this family. Now, l hear me very, very clearly. Baptism does not save anybody. And there are those that will preach like well, baptism is part. It, it doesn't save anybody. What baptism is, is me standing up and says, I want to be acknowledged and I want to signify and identify that I am part of God's family. In fact, we see that early on in the church at the very beginning. It says in Acts 2.41, so those who accepted his message were baptized. And that day about 3,000 people were added to them. Who are them? The church. And so this morning, I, I want you to understand that th there's nothing magical about the water. It doesn't do anything, but it's an act of obedience. And it's a, an act that says, I'm not ashamed. And I want everyone to know around me and hold me accountable that I am part of this family called the church. It, it, it's one of our things that we say for, for, <coughs> for membership. And we'll talk a little bit about that. That we say, you know, either, you know, there's a statement of faith or have you been baptized? And as Baptists, we believe in immersion. That, that's in fact, in fact what the word believes, the word means and, and stuff. But, but it, it's the point that I've made a statement that I am part of this family. I'm not ashamed. 
Unfortunately, I think there are so many people going to churches that are kind of ashamed. Like they, they don't want it to be known. And, and man, this, this, this is an amazing family to be a part of the heritage. And so, and so it's not only being part of family, but the, but the second one is that God calls us part of God's temple or, or building. Now, I don't know if you've ever been around construction and stuff or, or you've built a new home. It's my wife and I desire to build like a new home and stuff and sit there and watch them build it. And we'll be probably awful people because we'll go in there like, why is that sitting there? Why? Why is that sticking out? Because, you know, all those pieces come together in a building. Like if we didn't have the little like girders o- over the roof and stuff, everything would collapse on us. If we didn't have the little side beams in the wall and, and the studs and stuff, there are studs in the wall and there's studs outside the wall. Yeah, you got it? Yeah, okay. All right. But if we didn't have it, man, it takes so many parts, really, for a building to come together. Think about the wiring and the plumbing. It takes all these parts for it to come together and actually for it to be a building. And if you've ever been around construction, you might have walked through and you see, like, parts laying ground. There's spare parts. The thing about spare parts is they're in the building, but they're not actually part of it. And unfortunately, we have so many in our church that people are like, they're in the building, they're in the church, but they're not actually part of the church. And we are called to be part of this building, to, to hold it all together. In fact, 1 Corinthians 3.16, Paul writes this, he says, Don't you yourselves know that you are God's temple and that the Spirit of God lives in you? Now, I've read that for years and thought about that. Maybe you've read that and know that verse says, yeah, we are God. I'm God's temple. I'm God's temple. But you notice it says, don't you yourselves. It's plural. A better translation. Don't you know that all of you together, all of you are God's temple, that it takes all of us to be part of God's temple. It's not just one person. It's all of us coming together to create this building, this thing that God calls his temple. And the benefit of that and the neat thing about that is that when we are all together and we're united like that together, we support one another. Like I said, you start taking out some of those little beams and those studs in that wall, things are going to start falling. You take out this grid, the roof is going to fall. It all takes us coming together. Look at verse 21 and 22. It says, In him... Speaking of Jesus, the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the spirit. It takes all of us. And the problem is if there's no connection, if things aren't connected, if things aren't tied together, then the building collapses. And so many of our churches, they just kind of loosely fit together in these fellowships. We, we've, we've made such a kind of we've estranged the word membership and we've turned it into something that's not and it's not about being member of something it's about being part of a family and, and when we're not connected it, it just falls apart i just i just want think of legos not the new ones but think about like for us they're old when it was like a blue green yellow thing i mean all that legos did was they're just made to connect And it's amazing what you can do when you connect them all together and the things you can make with them. I mean, nowadays, the the kids now, they got it easy. They just they see a picture and it's like a model and everything. We just had like red, green and yellow bricks and we had to like imagine something on our own. 
But I mean, that's what it should be like in the church. That, that's, what, that's what we're called to do, to be connected to one another. And as we snap together, then we build something that's greater than the one. And that's why God says it's a benefit that we're supported by each other. Listen, Romans 1, 11 and 12, he says, I, I want very much to see you so that I may impart to you some of the spiritual gift to strengthen you. That, that is to be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. We, we, we need each other. We, we encourage one another. We, we build each other up. That's what it talks about in Hebrews. Don't forsake the joining of yourselves. But encourage one another. Spur one another on to good works. We, we, we do this. And, and honestly, this is why we have a church covenant. It, it's not so that there's like just a set of rules and stuff like that. But it's a commitment for us to come together and say, we're going to support the church. We're going to support each other. That's why we do it. Because it's a sense of unity that, hey, we're all in this together. And, and I'm responsible to pray for each other, to, to love on each other, to, to support each other. And, and that's, that's why we, we have all that. Because we're called to be part of this temple, this building that God is building, all of us. But not only that, the third one is that we're part of a family, we're part of God's temple, but also we're part of Christ's body. We are part of this body, and, and the benefit of that is when we understand that we're part of the body, it's when we start discovering our unique value, that every part of the body is unique. Every part of the body is special, and it has a purpose and, and a meaning and everything, and, and, and we need all the parts, but every, they, they, they have value in that. You know, you cut off my left hand, you're not going to be able to read my handwriting because I'm left-handed and stuff. I need my left hand. If you take out an eye, you know, I'm gonna, there's things that are going to happen. I mean, you lose your big toe. Do you know you have to be retaught to walk? Do you understand that? Your big toe. Mine's ugly. <laughs> that big, ugly toe on my foot. If I lose that toe, I have to retaught to walk because that's where I get the balance in my life. See, see, we are part of this body, and in that, when I'm joined together with this, when I commit to being part and belonging to something like this, then I start understanding not only my identity, but my value, that there's something that I bring to the table. Look, Romans 12, 4 and 5, it says, Now, as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. They don't all have the same function. They, they don't all, there are many parts, and they are all different and unique, and you express that differently, and we should celebrate that. There are people that can sing. There are people that can pray. There's people that can serve. There are gifts, and there are talents that we have that fill out what we need to become a church and to be a church in, in all this. And, and, and so we're all different and unique. Could you imagine if all of us were just like me? I'd get so annoyed <laughs> if we all if all we ever all we could ever do is just sing. Then who's going to serve if all we could ever do is just do one thing? I mean, how boring and bland is that? We live in a culture that is pushing uniformity. And yet God created us each as individuals. No one has the fingerprint that you have. You are unique, you are special and in the church and in this body we get to celebrate that. 
and, 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 and everyone's needed. That's why the first statement on our covenant on, on the membership side, there's two sides of it. There's what you can expect of your pastors and leaders, and there's a membership side. And the very first part is like, I will not just attend church. I will be part of the church. I'll be an active member that I'm working and doing because we need everyone in this body. We each have work to do. There's roles, there's ministries, there, there's things, and it's not all the same thing. Not everyone's going to preach. Not everyone's going to sing. There are people that, that need to like clean floors and clean bathrooms and make sure it's presentable. There are people that are very outgoing that can welcome. There are people that know technology that can do that stuff. There are people that, that can teach. There are people that can, I mean, it's all the same, but we all have a job to do. We all have a role. We each have work to do. We belong to each other. It's not just about believing the same thing. We belong to each other. Let me back up. Look at that. At the end of Romans 12, 4 and 5, it says, um, In the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. We belong to each other. We all need each other. See, I don't believe you can fulfill God's purpose in your life by yourself. I don't believe it can be done. Because everywhere I read in Scripture, God is always talking about a people, a group, a gathering. Not just me. I mean, even if you look at the heroes of the faith, there was other people around them. It wasn't just David was a great king. David had great generals, and he had the David's mighty men that were with him. It wasn't just Moses. Look at Moses tried to do it all, and his father-in-law says, you're an idiot. Of assign judges. Jethro's like, get smart people to make these judgments. Don't do everything. We need each other. We belong to each other, which means I have a responsibility to you, and you have a responsibility to me because we're part of this body. That's why Paul writes in Ephesians 4, he says in 425, he says, Therefore, putting away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. And then we're a really small church. And there are days that I love that, and there's days like, oh, man, I wish we had more and stuff. But we're a really small church, but especially in this sense and in small groups and what we're trying to build, when one person's hurting, it's not just that one person hurting. We, we hurt together. We, we struggle together. Because we belong to each other. We are members of one another. We, we share in the pains and we share in the joys. That's what family does, isn't it? That's what this is. But not only that, we're part of a family, we're part of God's temple, we're part of Christ's body. But, but the fourth one is that God calls us part of God's flock. And, and out of all, one, all of them, I, I, I really love this one. Because if you know anything about shepherding, if you know anything about um, going around and watching sheep or seeing someone ever watch sheep, we lived in Italy and they had a thing called geep. It was a mixture of a goat and a sheep. I don't think it was a real thing. It was just ugly, nasty and everything. But they got control of the roads. If they were on the roads, you just had to sit there. And if you hit one of their geep, you had to pay for that geep and the next, like, nine generations of geep to that show. And so th I think they purposely went out on the road, <laughs> you know. So, like, I'm, we're going to get some more. 
But if you watch those shepherds, man, they were just running back and forth, just guarding, protecting, keeping them in line, keeping them together and everything. And I love that idea because we're protected and we're cared for in this family, in this church that we're called to belong to. There's a place. Listen, Psalm 103 says, Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. God is our great shepherd. Jesus is the great shepherd, and, and he protects us, and, and, and we do that. We're, we're part of this flock. In fact, I mean, you want to think about this and how he used it. I, I printed out some stuff. Think of Psalm 23. If you have time this week, and I hope you do, read Psalm 23 and read John 10. And I just want to pull out some of this and, and just read these to you about what we can, what, this idea of being cared for and, and protected. Listen to this in Psalm 23. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. He lets me rest in the meadow grass and leads me beside quiet streams. He gives new, me new strength. He helps me to do what honors him the most. Even when walking through the dark valley of death, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me, guarding, guiding all the way. You provide delicious food for me in the presence of my enemies. You have welcomed me as your guest blessings overflow your goodness and unfailing kindness shall be with me all my life and afterwards i will be with you forever in your home john 10 jesus said this he says i am the good shepherd the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep a hired hand runs away because he cares nothing for the sheep but i am the good shepherd i know my sheep and my sheep know me and i lay down my life for my sheep my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish and no one can ever snatch them out of my hand. Can you hear the care and the protection promised in those verses? Can you hear what God thinks about us when we become part of this family? And in the church today and in every church, there are two kinds of people that care for each of us. The very first one is the pastor. The, the word in the New Testament is overseer or shepherd. An awful lot was used for the pastor. Look at this in Hebrews thirteen seventeen. It says, obey your leaders and submit to them since they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account so that they can do this with joy and not with grief for that would be unprofitable for you. Now listen, I'm not, I'm not reading this so you're like, do everything the pastor says. <laughs> but if you want to take it that way, I'm good. I'm, I'm all right with that. But notice what it says, since they watch over your souls like a shepherd and they give account. I believe with all my heart, th there's a reason that there's a lot of times that I'm very careful about who I let get up here and like speak and, and stuff. And I'm very cautious. I'm very prayerful and I ask a lot of questions and Stuff because I believe whatever comes off this platform, I give an account for. I think I give an account for what your spiritual growth is. I give an account for, like, and I know your life is your life, but as a shepherd, it's my job to protect, my job to speak truth, even when it's, un it's painful truth. It's my job to celebrate those joys. It's my job to shepherd the flock. And so in a church, that's what you should expect from a pastor. And, I, and my prayer is that I, I do a good job in that. Because I'm going to give an account for it. But it's not just the pastor, because that's a problem in a lot of our churches, too. It's like it's the pastor's job, you know. I had a lady one time come up to me and says, you didn't visit me when I was sick. I'm like, when were you sick? Like three weeks ago. I'm like, did you tell anybody? No. I'm like, how am I supposed to know? 
Because if I have ESP, you're going to call me a witch. <laughs> it's not going to work. It's not just the pastor's job to take care of because, again, we're a family. We're part of this. We're called to belong to this family. And so it's not just the pastor's responsibility. It's, it's each of our responsibilities. That's why I'm pushing so hard for these small groups. I don't want us to be a group that just meets on a Sunday morning and then we go and have our business and, and we do whatever and then we gather again the next Sunday. I want us to have opportunities and chances to gather so that you're investing in one another, that you're pastoring one another and shepherding one another, that you're loving. And, and so it's not just the pastor, but it's, it's all of us. We're called to do this, to be a part of family. In fact, in, in the New Testament alone, there are 58 times there are verses where it says one another. One another. Let, let me give you a couple examples of this, just two. Galatians 6, 2, carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. 1 Thessalonians five eleven. therefore, encourage one another. And build each other up as you are already doing. All through the New Testament, 58 times there is commands, not talking to a pastor, not talking to a professional, but talking to the family, the body, saying, you need to do this for one another. Listen, when, when something's repeated two or three times, it's important. When it's repeated 58 times, I think we need to pay attention. We are, we are called to care one another and that's my heart with these small groups that you get a chance to love to hear to weep to share with one another because that's what we're called to do we're part of this flock and, and can I tell you something I think there's a really good reason God uses the term sheep Sheep ain't that smart when it comes to keeping themselves safe. I mean, uh, sheep, they're not dumb animals. They're actually very intelligent animals. But when it comes to just keeping themselves safe and secure and that, they miss, they miss that training. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so w we need each other. We're all part of this flock together. And because of that, we can feel secure. We can feel safe. We can feel protected. But only if everybody is part of it. When I was in the army and they would send us out on patrol and stuff, there was always someone in front. There was always two guys looking inside and there's always two guys looking back. That's one of the reasons I love that song. We have God of angel armies. I know who goes before me. I know who goes behind. I know who's on my sides. Everything. I know God is there, but he has called you to take that spot too around, around each of us. And, and then finally, this morning, the fifth thing. We're part of God's family. We're part of God's temple, this building he's building. We're part of Christ's body. We're part of God's flock. And then finally, man, we are part of God's garden, his vineyard. And, and the benefit of this is this is how we grow, how we become fruitful people, how, how we prosper and do that. Our lives become productive in this. Look at this in John 15, verse 4 and 5. Jesus says this. He says, remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. The whole point of that 
is that a disconnected branch, a branch that's on its own and by itself, isn't going to bear anything. In fact, it's going to wither, it's going to die. We, we, we are called to be part of this garden. We're, we're called to be part uh, of, of this thing so that we can actually bear fruit, that we can produce something. I don't ever want to be at the end of my life and say, man, I wish I could have done this. I wish I would have done this. I wish I, sh- I should have done this. I, and, some, and have that wish I would have or could have or should have. That I'd like to know the idea that, man, I did something. There was, there was something productive about my life. I left something behind. There was a legacy that I left behind. But by myself, I can't. Disconnected, I can't bear any fruit. In fact, there are five basic needs in every human being. The first one is identity, who I am. We find that out when we're in our family. We find out who we are, our identity. We find out stability. That there's a place where I can be safe and, and, and I can grow and I can, I can understand all of this, that I'm connected and, and it's strong and it's sturdy. There's this idea of capacity. What am I capable of? In Christ's body, we, we figure that out, that this is, man, this is my uniqueness. This is my ability. And then security, God's flock. Man, I, I need to know that I'm safe, that I'm going to be protected. And then finally, this idea of productivity, that I've done something with my life. If you want to fulfill God's calling on your life, here, there's a couple of things that you have to have. You have to have power to live, people to live with, principles to live by, and a plan to live out, and a purpose to live for. Let me say that again. You want to fulfill God's calling in your life. You have to have power to live, people to live with, principles to live by, a plan to live out, and a purpose to live for. Can I ask you a question? Where else will you get all these outside of God's family and his church? Where are you going to find those? I don't know any place. I know places that you'll get some of them. But I don't know any place that you'll get all of them except in the church, except belonging. So if that's our needs, if that's what I I need to fulfill my calling to live the most complete life that I can possibly live, then why stay disconnected? I don't I I just I don't understand that. I don't understand people that say, Well, I don't need to go to church. I'm just gonna watch it on television. When there's no relationships there. Or or people say, you know, I can't you know, I'm I'm not gonna commit anything or do anything, you know, I'm just gonna show up. It just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense to me. People just show up and, and not to say, Okay, I'm all in. Because I, I, I don't think you, you can't you can't like be half in. You know, it, it's not like testing the waters and just putting your toe in there. You know, eventually, you know, you stand there long enough, either you're going to fall out or you're going to fall in, but you're either all out or you're all in. You're not going to, you can't stay there forever. And so I, I, I don't understand this at all. I love Kent Hughes, R. Kent Hughes, a great author. He says this, one of the most elementary, le- on the most elementary level, you do not have to go to church to be a Christian. You do not have to go home to be married either. But in both cases, if you do not, you will have a very poor relationship. Let me read that one more time. On the most elementary level, you do not have to go to church to be a Christian. 
You do not have to go home to be married either. But in both cases, if you do not, you will have a very poor relationship. And we are formed to be part of God's family. We, we are formed to be committed and, 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 and to be part of this. This, and you, this is a place, and every church I would hope would be a place, unfortunately not, but this is a place where, you, man, you should feel wanted. Because you're, you're wanted here. I, I, I want more people. I, I want people to come and be a part of this story and, and, and live out the faith. And not only that, you belong. You and I belong to a body. We belong to a fellowship. And by the way, most of the New Testament, if you read almost all the New Testament, these letters that Paul is writing to, it's to the local church. I know we like to use, there's the big C church, there's the universal church. And yes, we're all part of that. But most of this is written about the local church about being part of a local body, where I live, where I'm at, to be, be connected right there, you, to belong. How do we do that? Well, I got a couple of things for you. First of all, if you've never been baptized, let's talk about baptism. Let's get that done. Let's make that acknowledgement. Man, hey, I'm part of God's family. I want everyone to know. Let, let, let's do it. I will buy, and in a week, I'll have a cattle trough here, and we'll do a boil, or we'll go over to Patty's pool and, and, and we, we, we will go and we'll have baptism right after church and we'll all go and have a good time and stuff. Um, that the, the other thing is, man, I, I invite you, if you've never done it, is to come to our discovery class. To find out this is what we are. This is how we started. This is where we think God's leading it. That's where we share our church covenant and say, like, this is it. And again, it's not about being a member. It's about being part of a family. It's about belonging and saying, I'm committing to the other people here. I'm committing to this church and to other people. This is, I'm going to live my life and do everything I can to build this building that God is building strong, to be a part of this body. And if you've done all that, then, then connect to a small group. You know, we, we, we have three right now. You have choices. You have Monday night young adults. You have you have Tuesday nights over in the Davenport area. You have you have Wednesday nights over in um, in Glenbrook. And I'd love to see more grow. If they're, if they're big, let's start more. Let's do more because I think the greatest thing that we're missing in our culture today, especially for this generation, is the idea of connecting and relationships. Because I think the only thing they know to do is Facebook and tweet, or Snapchat, or all that stuff, and they have lost the ability to connect and relationships, and they're starving for it. And so let's build places where they can have actually face-to-face communication and connections. Let's do this. Those of you already doing this, those of you that have been baptized, that that have joined the church and signed the covenant and are part of this, that you're connected to a small church, I have just one thing that I ask you to do. Fall in love with church. Fall in love with church. You understand the church is the hope of the world. We carry the hope of the world. And the church is the only thing that's going to outlast everything else on this planet. That when all the governments go and everything else leaves, it's still going to be the church. Fall in love with it. The things that we love, we make it a priority in our lives. Fall in love with it. You and I are formed for his family. We are formed to be connected and committed to each other. Don't try to do this alone. 
You can't. It doesn't work. God created a family and and what you bring to the table can change this community. What you bring to the table are things that I can't do. I'm not capable of. We need each other. We are here for his pleasure. We are here to be part of his family. And that's the church. Don't go it alone. Let's pray.